0: everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Behind the Stigma podcast. I'm your host Ciara Minova and in today's episode we will be talking about conscious dancing. Let's get started. Our guest speaker today who I'm so excited to introduce is Phil Santos. Phil is an author, consultant, speaker and the founder of Ecstatic Playground. An event dedicated to the transformative power of play through dance, singing, and games and others. He is also the author of his upcoming book, Conscious Clubbing, which we'll be discussing today. Phil, welcome to the podcast. It's truly a pleasure to have you here.
1: Hey, Sierra. I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
0: So am I. Honestly, Um, I'm very excited for this discussion, as it is of personal interest to me as someone who finds music and dancing as a way of release, as a form of expression and connection to ourselves. But before we kind of go into conscious dancing, perhaps you can give a brief background into who you are and also how you came to learn about conscious dancing.
1: For sure. Yeah, so... I my story starts when I was really young I was a total loner and introvert and just a very socially awkward uh, kid and because I didn't understand the rules of how to socialize and you know uh, I think now you would call it kind of being spectrum um The first place where I really felt like I was understood, like I was seen for me, like where I could really let my freak flag fly and just feel like I was part of a social fabric and like my unique contribution in all of its weirdness and silliness was actually appreciated and additive to the space was on the dance floor. So Mm -hmm. that's when I was 16 years old. I was in Massachusetts and I was going to hardcore shows, (laughs) which I look back and I'm like, wow, that's just a bunch of kids getting their anger out, basically. And in I would go bit. to those shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Was <laughs> so I loved it and like ska shows and stuff. So yeah, I would go to those shows and just like express myself. And it's the first place where I really hugged someone or talked to girls or found a way to feel belonging. So that kind of put this idea together for me that like the dance floor could be a place that builds community and connection in mm-hmm. my friend group. And from there, I, I then I went on to college and in college, you know, I started uh, throwing parties. And I for me, that was like the coolest idea. Like, what if I found a place and we created this space where <laughs> us and all of our friends could feel connected and could create a space that was our unique energy and our unique vibe? And so that's what I did for five years. I started a company called Body Talk, where mm-hmm. every month we hosted conscious dance parties. It wasn't like hippie conscious dance. It was more like a proto hippie of like, <laughs> we were intellectual, We there were socially awkward penguins, you know, there were hipsters, there were all kinds of people, you know, there was alcohol involved too. And it was a space where maybe if you've been to a concert, if you've been to a party, it's like, there's the cool factor. And we had some cool for sure and then there's also the factor of friendliness and mm. we aspired to be the friendliest dance party in the world mm. and we looked at like in in this last i don't know 50 60 100 years since so many people have left their religious congregations so many people do not identify with a religion which is traditionally the place where we have found community right, right? traditionally the place where you have found someone to babysit your kids, where you found your partner, someone who has similar values to you, where you've had a book club, where you've had morality and a common understanding of explanation of what the world is like, what the future looks like and what being a good person is like that social sphere, that moral sphere. I saw that as like, oh my God we're missing this huge component that ties everything together around life. And like, Mm. yay, like I'm happy for post-modernity. I'm glad that we've, we started to question all of these narratives. And there's a huge gap in terms of something that ties our whole life together. And I was like, what if dance parties could be that energetic core that out from outside of it, like, like you have the core of the earth and then there's the rings outside the different levels of soil. What if that dance party could actually be this like amazing, fun, sexy, this thing that people yeah. have an innate desire to go to, right? They, yeah. they want to meet new people. They want to have transcendent states tuned through music. They want to have great conversations. It's like a thing that, kind of if you ever watch a teen movie like there's always a dance party it's it's a very natural desire we have to come together through music and then what if that could be the watering hole that upon which all these other social uh systems are built so we started a men's group we started a women's group we started doing uh small groups we um We had TED Talk, Watching Nights. We had all these different things that were trying to approximate uh, what a congregation might look like for 20-something-year-old kids who are just trying to live their best lives and figure out their futures.
0: This is within Body Talk, right?
1: Body Talk, yeah. And that was uh, from 2013 to like 2018. And then after that, I started writing a book. And that's the book that I'm continuing to write now. It's called Conscious Clubbing. And the idea there is just, okay, I've learned all these Methods for how to use music and how to use dance parties to build community. Hmm. And I still see this massive gap in community. I think it's about 60% of um, Gen Z feels very lonely most yeah. of the time. So there's, there's these alarming statistics and um, we could talk more about loneliness. You know, we could, so we could spend a lot of time there, sure. but basically I see loneliness as the like root problem. In addiction, in mass shootings, in depression, it's in in societies, in in systems where we feel connected, where we feel heard, where we have meaningful relationships. Those those are non issues. So so I see community as the 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 answer. I see loneliness as the problem. And throughout my career, I've been using different methods. Mm. Back then, it was dance parties. Now I have a company called Ecstatic Playground where it's like the evolution of body talk. We went from Mm -hmm. 200 people to like 30. (laughs) So it's like intimate, you know, it's more transformative processes using authentic relating, somatic therapies. There's still dance involved, improv, all these types of um, creative techniques that just help us play like children. And heal that inner yeah. child that just wants to come out. So sure. that's kind of a brief tour of where I've been and where I'm going. Beautiful. I think
0: you said something so interesting how you said community is the solution and loneliness is the problem. I would love to explore both of them a little bit. You spoke about the importance of building community and that culture, but what does community actually mean to you? Because I feel like that word gets thrown around quite a lot these days. Um, And then maybe here you can also go into a little bit more detail about Ecstatic Playground and why it came into existence in the way that it did for you from like body talk and 200 people to a more like narrowed down and more, I would say, intentional um, groups.
1: Totally. Yeah. Uh, so community, very interesting. I feel like (laughs) Facebook co-opted the word. I mean, I'm all for online community. Like I have a great Facebook group that I'm a part of with facilitators and we share our best practices around the world. So like praise be to Zuckerberg. Also it's cheap in the word because to me, (laughs) to me, I think, I think of the roots. So the Latin roots of community. So commune which means with or together, and then unity, meaning becoming one. So I see community as together, we're, we're becoming one. And mm. I, I, I'm embedded I in a hippie it. culture. So sometimes I use these like, uh, woo woo words. So forgive <laughs> me. So um, I think of frequency, like I think of sound waves, you know, and so if, I'm kind of a low note and you're a higher note and we're kind of starting to resonate more with each other. We're starting to, we might not be at exactly the same frequency. We might not um, dress the same, look the same, have all of the same beliefs, but there is a common desire and a common helping and kind of um, it's like we're all tuning into something. And that's why communities need leaders because Mm -hmm. the leader is the person who is creating the word that's coming to mind is the theology. <laughs> I mm. think of so many things in terms of religion. Um, the leader is the one who's like, Hey, these are some good books that, that I, I like, or here's some ideas or here's what's allowed here. And here's what's not allowed here. And they're kind of drawing a line in the stand and painting a vision that other people can help activate themselves towards so, if you think of someone like uh, Martin Luther King with the "I have a Dream" speech, he activated everyone on that lawn into motion. So I think of a community leader. It's kind of like if you think of my spine, if i'm if I'm folding forward, and then if you pull a string up from my head, my mm-hmm. spine starts to align. Mm. And I'm like, I'm integrated. i'm I'm standing up straight. I think of the community leader as someone who activates human beings by pulling them forward into motion, Mm -hmm. ideally with the goal of helping others. There is also the dark side of community, the dark side of even oxytocin, the the love hormone, which is they've done studies with oxytocin, which it creates bonding, right? It's like the touch hormone, the love hormone, oxytocin. It's mechanism, its goal in the human system is to bond human beings together, bonds mothers with infants. It bonds community members with each other through sharing memories, through sharing touch, through hugs, whatever it might be. And when you bond with people, there's a very dark tendency that can creep in, which is to create us and them to create a in an in group. And it's, it's very easy once you have an in group to contrast that togetherness with an out group. So it's important to know that that's one of the things that can happen in communities is that, you know, it, it, a community to cult, it's a spectrum.
0: That's funny, because that's what I was kind of thinking when you were speaking of community leader guiding you. It could reach a threshold, of course, not always, but I'm saying that sometimes a leader could also, be, it can become culty <laughs> in a
1: way. Yeah, I, I, it can, it can. And it's important to know, it's important to know that so that we can safeguard against that. And to look out for, because whenever you have communitas, like community being formed, whenever you have ecstasis, ecstatic states being formed, and then you have catharsis, healing,
0: communitas,
1: ecstasis, catharsis, that is going to lead to a bunch of people feeling really connected to each other. Yeah, right. That's going to lead to a strong group cohesive force. And now, if you have a leader who talks a lot about outside groups and how we're the ones, they're not the ones, right? And now if you have a leader who has a connection to some kind of divine wisdom that is unquestionable, and if you have a leader who does not encourage you to maintain and strengthen relationships with your family and with your friends who are outside of the group, if they're always trying to pack you in, that is when you get into cult territory. So look out for the leaders around you and how they create out groups and how, you know, they create enemies and Mm. how they dehumanize people who are outside of the community, because then you're becoming a cult.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit more about conscious dancing here, because the the activity itself comes within a community, right? But for me, Conscious dancing is something that I like to do technically by myself. And even when I go to these parties, I know the people there, but it's a place for me to be with myself. So can you talk to me, what do we exactly mean, maybe from your understanding, by conscious dancing? And like, maybe you can clarify a little bit how a setting would usually look like. Is there a type Particular types of people that go to these events? Like, do you guys have a facilitator in these classes? Uh, Because I know a lot of these type of open floors do.
1: Sure. I think it's important to start with every dance has levels of awareness and consciousness to it. I I see dance because dance is a very ancient social technology It only exists in humans. Um, Some of the first cave paintings are of people dancing. And there are very strong anthropological theories that we can never really prove. But there are theories that dance as a language came before verbal language. That kind of makes sense, right? That like we would see with our eyes and we would kind of understand through movement before we might necessarily understand through creating like a language system. A verbal language system. And dance has been like when, when they go into the Amazon and contact uncontacted tribes, which maybe isn't always the best idea, but when those tribes have been contacted a way that we have communicated like, Hey, I come in peace is yes. through dance. It's like, Hey, I'm going to dance for you. I'm showing you that I'm coming in peace. Right? So Dance has been many things. It's been preparation for war. It's been preparation for hunting. It's been a ritual to reach ecstatic states and commune with God and come into trance states, depending on which culture you are. It's been a way to find your partner. It's um, if you go to a bottle service club, it's, um, it's maybe a way to not look weird. Like sometimes (laughs) I see guys who like have a drink in their hand and they're just kind of shuffling back and forth. And I wouldn't say that they're ecstatically dancing or like consciously dancing. Yeah, It's more of like the thing that you do when you're in there as they look around shoulder to shoulder looking for the girl that they're going to hit on. There's many different (laughs) modalities, just like the Eskimos have 200 words for for snow. You know, I think we could have many words for dance because at the end of the day, it's just movement with music. Love it. So conscious dance as I understand it, or ecstatic dance, trance dance, I see it closer (laughs) to somatic therapy, closer to like working out emotions through the body and to connecting with some kind of inner wisdom and inner knowing Um, than I do maybe at the other end of the spectrum, which is like the guy at the club who's kind of drinking some drinks and participating in a social sphere where he's maybe trying to talk to girls or a girl at the club who's just maybe kind of trying to look good. So I see this conscious dance like, A, it's sober, typically. You can drink and dance consciously for sure. You can take mushrooms and dance consciously. You you can be on Burning Man and reach an ecstatic state where you are so aligned with flow and the universe and whatever your interpretation of divinity is that you are tuning into some serious knowledge um, through your body, through that instrument that you have to tune into the universe. You can also do it, you know, in a yoga studio at like eleven AM <laughs> <Yeah>. completely sober <laughs> with some uh with a facilitator. So there there's many ways to kind of explore that. Um what I do with ecstatic playground, uh and and the the dance spaces that I've been tuning into mm. now in this post body talk era have been more facilitated, have mm. been um Typically, there's someone on the microphone kind of warming people up to like, get into your shoulders, get into your neck, set an intention for your next hour and a half of dance, Mm. really go for it while you're dancing. There might even be a blindfold on you for some portion of it so that you can really express yourself. I mean, um, Osho, the great spiritual leader, he has a bunch of different um, kriyas or he has a bunch of different meditations dance meditations that lead you into crazy states of consciousness through breath through movement and through endurance yeah so it depends on kind of where you want to zoom in and double click but i'm i'm open to any any path
0: wow it's true that generally when we think of wanting to dance with friends or dance in a social setting we often think of a party right and that's often associated as you said with intoxication i mean if you want to call it intoxication or like drinking or festivals burning man but I think what I actually do like about the component of conscious dancing is that at least personally for me is that it helps me be present. As you said, some people use it as a form of meditation. I haven't really done it ever with a facilitator, but I can definitely say that in the moment it really helps me be grounded and be present and I think that's super powerful because you get lost in the music, you feel, you know, every beat, the melody, it just kind of integrates and moves with your body and I think that's just so fun yeah, yeah it's fun
1: i think that's the most important part like that's why we get into dance it's really fun and um yeah you can reach ecstatic states at a festival you know with intoxication for sure i mean there's people all around the world who who do that yeah. or you can be in an ecstatic dance completely sober and actually i think there's a lot of uh work there's a lot of um therapeutic work that goes into being someone who can only dance drunk, which is a lot of people to dancing in the daylight. You know, you can make it, you can turn it up like dancing in the daylight uh, in a crowd of a bunch of people. Okay. Maybe that's a little bit safer, but it's like, I see this with men, especially Mm. hit their hips are frozen. You know, they'll maybe two step or something, but their hips are frozen, or maybe their arms are frozen. And I feel it in my own body sometimes. It's the fear of showing yourself. And maybe there's a person who can talk about anything. They're so vulnerable when it comes to talking, but from a somatic perspective, from an embodiment perspective, they they won't show themselves. Yeah, they won't show their unique freaky movement. Or maybe someone who can sing but they won't necessarily show themselves through dance. And if it, you know, typically if you're an artist and I I do notice that people who's it's, there is a carryover effect. You know, if you're willing to talk about vulnerable things, maybe you're more willing to sing, maybe you're Mm. more willing to dance, but there's these unhealed inner children. There's these, you know, basically traumatic episodes or social rules that we've learned. Maybe you've picked it up from your dad. I know for me, um, a really difficult work that I've had to do Mm -hmm. is learning how to be emotionally expressive from a dance and singing perspective in front of my father. Like that's the ultimate test right there. Being able to twerk (laughs) in front of your dad, amp amp it up. Yeah. Like (laughs) straight, but I have a feminine inside of me too. Everyone has a masculine and feminine inside. And, um, you know, I'll I'll twerk with my friends, it makes them laugh. And but like to be able to do it in front of my dad. Oof, that's that's an edge. Okay, yeah. let's do it. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. It's actually so interesting because um I think certain cultures, especially like a culture where I'm from, um, a lot of people hide like they're not able to be themselves in front of their families, sometimes in front of their friends. So I I really do get that. It takes a lot of being comfortable with who you are, being authentic to yourself. But I think what's most prominent to me, and you mentioned something similar as well, is that it has this form of release being emotionally impactful. When we think about tension, it gets stored in our body, right? Like if I clench my fist, I'll feel the tension. But then as soon as I let my hand go, it releases and I think dancing does the same thing. We store tension in our bodies, and that flow movement, especially conscious dancing for me, that type of flow in your body, it actually allows you to release that stress that's been stored in your body. And of course, some practitioners say that it heals even traumas um, that's been stored in the body. I can't, you know, confirm that personally without like empirical data. I guess just just studying science, but counterintuitively and subjectively, I can confirm that for me, it is also, um, very healing.
1: If I could speak to the the trauma aspect, please. Uh, my expertise is building communities and dance parties and, and such yeah. and hosting events, whatever. And lately I've just been learning so much about trauma and healing and coaching and, you know, following my compass and my understanding of trauma and healing trauma through evidence-based approaches, you know, mm-hmm. um, Thank you to cognitive behavioral therapy and other talk therapies. Right. Also, Hey, let's incorporate the body here. Absolutely. You know, if we know trauma is stored in the body, let's incorporate the body in healing so that we can um, massage that healing deeper into our tissue so that it's not just at the, the head level and it's more in the heart and the body in the muscle in the fascia in the body. So to heal trauma, you need to come into contact with the wound. Right that time when there was some kind of, you can call it PTSD or you can call it trauma, but it's basically a time when something happened to us where the pain was turned up to 10, 11, 12, 14. it was turned up higher than we could handle at the time. And so some part of us had to learn how to manage and Mm. get through the situation. And, but there was, there was an imprint of Stuckness. There was a wound that was created, a scar that was created. So when we heal through uh, evidence-based approaches like internal family systems, EFT, tapping, different different therapies that go back into those core memories and those core wounds, um, we need to come into contact with the wound, and we need to bring love, friendliness, higher self, you know, divinity, whatever you want to call it, but basically um, nervous system regulation. Yeah, into those neural pathways where the wound is. And by bringing regulation into that space in a safe way, and then incorporating the body into that healing as well, not just doing it strictly through talk, but like maybe you're massaging yourself, maybe you're tapping so that you're disabling your fight or flight response, you're yeah. tapping on acupressure points. We're able to heal in a, in a, in a deeper way than just your therapist asking you how you feel right now. And then talking, which can Absolutely. often lead to honestly to retraumatization. Um, I've experienced that. And I have really? friends who don't really go to their insurance covered therapists. They're going to do oh. some kind of cognitive behavioral therapy or, or something other like that. That's just kind of like using the head, but not incorporating the heart, not incorporating the body. You're not getting up and shaking, you know, you're not putting your hands on your heart. You're not taking deep breaths into the wound. You're not tapping. You're not yelling. You're Mm. not like expressing this full spectrum. So dance has an incredible power. If it's coupled with, um, especially, I'll say especially, if it's coupled with, some of this knowledge around therapy um Absolutely. coming into contact with wounds and bringing friendliness, love, light, you know, higher self regulation, whatever you want to call it, into those areas where we are dysregulated. That's so beautifully
0: said. Thank you so much. I think um this is so important. I'm so sorry to hear that <laughs> that, that frustrates me because I definitely agree and actually it's been studied that The strongest form of healing with a therapist, I'm speaking in terms like CBD and other things like that, or psychotherapy is when you connect with your therapist. So as soon as there's a disconnect, and there's just this person asking you questions, I can understand how and why it can be traumatizing. Furthermore, especially in the US, prescribing medication is a huge thing. And I'm not like shaming people for taking like antidepressants or other you know substances. That's absolutely fine. That's their right. But we seem to have this inclination towards dealing with deeply rooted pain. That, like you said, I think, and I truly believe as well, can be fixed when you address things like loneliness, fear, um, understanding where it comes from, embodying your own body, but also mentally too, your mind and body into that to understand yourself better. So I think that's very important. So thank you for for bringing that up.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean dance specifically, it it can be so many different things. And I think that's the power of having a facilitator as well. Mm. I, in my book, there are so many people who they had their idea to start their dream community. You know, Tasha blank, she started the get down. It's now called body language. She's kind of an influencer in the space of conscious dance, very well known. And she got her idea through uh, basically she was like trained as a ballerina. And so for her dance was a rigid thing. And so she was trained. And so of course she was a great dancer and highly technical. And it was this moment where she was at Burning Man And she had just let loose completely. She's just like going crazy, wild woman on the dance floor. And, you know, with her technical training too, it's like, she's not just going wild. Like, like (laughs) I do like a hippie freak, but she's going wild and it's like beautiful to watch. And this crowd of people gathers around her and they're Mm -hmm. all just watching. And then she's like done after an hour of dancing. She didn't even realize there were people around. She's just in a flow state, and then she left Burning Man, and she was like, "I need to create a space where people can get can this. this." Yeah, and she created the Get Down, which is now called Body Language. Now she has a school where she teaches DJs how to do this, which is yeah. super cool. Um, but yeah, that's the power of. Then she 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 had that realization, that therapeutic, you know, experience, that um, experience of alignment with some kind of energy and force that was greater than herself. And, uh, then she created, she created a space f- for hundreds of people to get that every, wow. every other week in New York city and just this beautiful thing. And so that's why I, I, I see this like kind of ladder in terms of like participation in a community. It's like you, you, you're the first person who you get to the dance floor and maybe you're tapping your toes. You're not quite mm-hmm. sure. Then maybe you make a friend oh, safety. You made your first friend. Yeah. You're like, okay, people kind of accept me here. You start to make more friends. Then you get embedded in that social circle. People invite you out to drinks or dinner or whatever it might be after you start to go to the potlucks with those people. You start to (laughs) unleash and come out of your shell and feel safe to really be yourself. And then eventually you start to be the greeter or you become the door person. You get into a role of service. And then, you know, fast forward a few years later, you're creating your own community for people in your own vibe. And it's this beautiful kind of uh, cycle. And it's not like anyone ever needs to get to that that place where they're building a community. But it's a beautiful thing when you do because we all have our own unique, like, what's your best night out? Or what's your best night in, you know, maybe it's five or six people uh reading a book or maybe it's a mastermind of people who all have the same vision and the same goals, and you're creating an experience for them to create those goals together so i oh, I, I very it. much believe in community and dance, and it's all interrelated,
0: yeah, and I feel like ecstatic playground also comes into play here, right well, play no pun intended, but ecstatic mm-hmm. playground's like another th- way of how you guys integrate community. Um, Through like games and interactions and like trying to build that connections and relationships with people, which I think is so cool. I wish like there was something like that here in Dubai as well, because I just think Mm -hmm. it's like so fun, especially when I was looking a little bit into your website and what you guys do. But I do want to ask for people who've never heard of conscious dancing. What does the setting kind of look like? Because I hate to use the word hippity, but it's like, you know, the hippie kind of, yeah, the hippie kind of vibes. Like not everyone vibes with the hippie vibes is what I'm trying to say. So do you think there's only a certain type of people that would go to these types of dance or like engage?
1: I have um, so many opinions because I'm within hippie culture yeah, and I never thought I would be. I studied economics, you know, I read a lot of science books. (laughs) I read a lot of psychology and I recognize that spiritual development, I'll read psychology and I'll read the economist and, you know, I'll I'll read the New York times. And I think the Buddha was fucking onto something, you know, I think Siddhartha Gautama stumbled upon some knowledge. And I think that, you know, Jesus Christ, Yeshua was like an amazing person an amazing historical historical figure who was helping people. And I, you know, I, I see the value in, um, religious figures, right. Uh, in sapiens, um, forget the author, but he talks about how religions are these myths, like everything that humans believe. You can think of it as a myth, but religion as a technology was, um, it was a myth that enabled humans to, I can show you a cross that's on my neck and I see that you're wearing a cross and I don't know you. You're not yeah. part of my family. You're not part of my village, but I kind of like you. Yeah. And there's all that's kinds great. of in-group out-group dynamics. Yes, for sure. Mm. And it was a, a, a way to say, even though we're not part of the same national group, we're not part of the same ethnic group. We have a common belief system that creates some kind of understanding and Engenders love between right. us, even if it's not like an I love you love. It's still a little bit of openness, caringness, attention. I'm willing to help you. So I'm, I'm not against religion. I have a feeling that when your boyfriend goes to these ecstatic dance spaces, he sees the harem pants. <laughs> he sees the Tibetan prayer flags, like the ones in my room. He sees the symbols and yeah. he probably, um, in some kind of way it brings up maybe conversations he's had there's a lot of lazy systematic thinking in hippie mm-hmm. culture there's a lot of lack of understanding of like um race dynamics there's a lot of um uh, uh, political apathy things that I'm not into personally Right. Um, but uh you're going to you're going to encounter um pros and cons in every subculture
0: for sure <laughs>
1: Personally, I'm interested in the in-between, you know, like my space, um, Mm. my space (laughs) in in ecstatic playground, we we don't talk about energy, you know, we don't talk about healing, we don't talk about chakras, even though I think there's a lot of wisdom in the chakra system. We try not to use language that's gonna, you know, um, polarize people. We try to be very clear with our language um, and our symbology and not... Make it feel like it's a really strong hippie vibe, yeah, and at the same time, those happen to be the people who come so
0: really you know, that, it
1: that yeah. is what it is, yeah, even an um,
0: ecstatic playground,
1: I mean that's just miami it's it's a very strong spiritual conscious community.
0: has anyone ever come to your community that's like kind of not been into that, and then all of a sudden you see them transform, yeah, you have.
1: I've seen people come through, you know, I haven't seen them come back as much. And I think one of, I've seen them come through and get a lot of out of the experience and, you know, say, you know, feel connected. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe they danced or maybe they played an improv game. That's a lot of what we do at ecstatic playground. And uh, they've stepped out of their comfort zone, but sometimes there there's the comfort zone, which is like habits, activities that we're, we do regularly. Yeah. And then there's the panic zone, which is so far out of our comfort zone that like maybe twerking in front of your dad, that's the <laughs> panic zone. <laughs> maybe, but maybe there's something. How did something that end
0: by the way? Sorry, uh, I, I gotta I, ask. I,
1: I, I mean, I, I haven't like there, there hasn't been a, oh. my dad's not really on the dance floor very much, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I sang in front of him. And for me, that was in uh, the uh-huh. stretch zone. So you have comfort zone, stretch zone, which is like where you take a few steps outside of the comfort zone, and then you have the panic zone. And over the course of an hour, two hours, three hours, that comfort zone can expand through spending time in the stretch zone. So if you think of it as like concentric, if you think of it as circles, it's like more time you spend in the stretch zone. Now that that stretch becomes your new comfort, maybe the next time that you come. Maybe for someone who's used to dancing um, in their own subculture, like in a techno subculture, everyone's wearing black, everyone's cool, and they're talking about the cool new DJs or whatever they talk about. And then maybe that's in the comfort zone and they'll dance their face off. And now maybe a new stretch is um, if that becomes comfortable, maybe it's going somewhere else and dancing around people who you don't know, but you have your group of people who you do know. And so it's just kind of like, how do you help sort of guide someone along this process because I, I I believe in this controversial idea which is that there are levels of development like different people are in different cultures for sure and there's levels of development within that culture and I also believe that there someone who can dance their face off sober in the daylight no matter who's around is a more somatically and vulnerably developed person as someone who can only do it when they're blackout drunk, you know, in a, in a lost in a crowd of people and the journey to get there is is healing deep wounds and healing trauma. So mm-hmm. not everyone needs to do that work. Someone who's more developed in that sense does not is not a better human being, is not Absolutely. morally superior and cannot don't don't spiritually bypass that person who's going through their own process. They have their own history, they have their own families that they come from. And I, you know, I think there's a reason why, like when you see someone who's more of an artist type, they're usually more open to singing, more open to dancing, more open to showing themselves because art is when we create that, like we like, we like channel something divine, right? Like we, we create that, which reminds us of our creator, whatever creator that might be, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm agnostic, but um, I think there's a reason why there's a spiritual component to art. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, it's super interesting. I do want to talk um a little bit about loneliness. You mentioned in the beginning that that you were a lonely child, that you were introverted, right? And when when you spoke about that, like I felt it strongly because I also truly believe that loneliness kills, like literally. I think it's so scary to feel like an outcast, to feel alone, and we know what it can do to people. You can have a whole day of human interaction without having a real human exchange because loneliness doesn't always translate to like literally sitting alone in your room, right? Like you can be in a group filled with people and feel lonely. You can talk to people and not ever form a true, genuine connection. And what I find interesting about loneliness that I think it's a vicious cycle groups tend to reject lonely individuals and lonely individuals tend to perceive interpersonal relationships negatively and so they avoid them when we think that someone or a group of people don't like us we tend to give off that you know energy and we tend to isolate ourselves and then that becomes a vicious cycle and because we isolate ourselves those groups then isolate us when i when i was reading about ecstatic playground to me what really like stood out to me is that i think this is a place where people can actually develop and loneliness isn't only you know people feel lonely but it might be a perception of being lonely people might actually love us but we if we don't feel that way or if we don't perceive it that way that we'll never never actually embrace that so to me places like conscious dancing where you build such communities and even ecstatic playground but i don't know i want to hear your opinion on that like It's a place where you can, people can build and work on this, believe about themselves in a way. And so I'm just curious to know, like, was that one of your reasons why you also created such a community like Ecstatic Playground, where you play games and connect? Or um, was it more of just like a natural shift from body talk?
1: Mm. I, I have a few things that are coming up. Um, one is just that I I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's important to just like put a, a really strong emphasis on this point that loneliness is completely independent, has nothing to do with how many people around you. You can have kids, you can have a family, you can have a group of friends and work people who you talk to all the time and feel utterly empty and alone. Because loneliness is not a lack of connection. We we tend to think of the lonely person as the person who's in the corner and they're like visually. Yeah. And then we see these suicides, you know, from like um, Robin Williams. And, and recently I think this guy Q, he was like a dancer on the Ellen DeGeneres show and like a DJ. Yeah. And he just looks so happy online dancing with his family. And he's doing these videos and loneliness is, it's not a lack of connection. It's a lack of meaningful connection. So It means that there's something inside that wants to be expressed and wants to be shared and wants to be seen. And it's probably something that comes from a hurt inner child. Some part of us that's just screaming, "I, I need attention. And we feel as if there's no one who can hold space for that. So I just think that's important. Like loneliness is not a lack of connection. It's a lack of meaningful connection. And, um, if anyone is lonely, depressed, anxious, um, wonderful book on that by Johan, Johan Hari called Lost Connections.
0: I love that book.
1: Yeah. And I think your other point was about like, uh, if, uh, Ecstatic Playground was an attempt to like solve loneliness, to be frank with you, um, no, (laughs) I think body talk was Mm. because that's the stage in my life where I was, you know, I was lonely and, um, I, I was closer to the lonely feel. And so like as just a, an, an event artist, as an experienced designer, I was trying to scratch my own itch of like, I want a lot of people, you know, even from a selfish perspective, like I, w- I wanted power. I wanted to the person who was at the top. I wanted to be a muver and shaker in my, in my city. Wow. And I can own that shadow aspect of it, yeah. know, especially looking back. Um,
0: Nothing to be ashamed of.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's human. It's my own, you know, traumas and imprints and my own um, parts that were coming out. Now, you know, with Ecstatic Playground, it was more like, hey, I kind of um, I want to build a community of people who are actually a degree of emotional development, a degree of understanding themselves, and who want to have deep conversations, who want to be playful, who are are willing to show themselves, even in the improv way. You know, if you think of improv comedy, it's like you're trusting that the ideas that your brain creates are worth sharing yeah. like right now in this moment like if you have analytical mind here and you have creative mind here you're like analytical mind get the fuck out of the way because creativity is gonna flow baby (laughs) and we're gonna open the geyser and whatever comes out because if you're accepting guessing yourself you're not gonna be funny right And so I wanted to improv with dance, I wanted to improv with speaking and comedy, and I wanted to uh, hold space for transformative processes, like almost therapeutic processes. There's this body of work called Authentic Relating that is about, it's like authentic, right? Like show true to yourself and relating, like relationship, speaking, Mm. conversation, like authentic relating is if you think about the best conversation you ever had late night with your closest friends around a fire or whatever yeah. it might be, it's that feeling of like, oh my God, like this is the best stuff. Like this is that gooey, rich, amazing sense of like, I'm seeing you guys, we're being seen, like we should start a podcast. We're so good at talking, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And authentic relating is a series of hundreds of games, conversation games that bring that feeling up it's amazing i highly recommend authentic relating games on the ecstatic playground website ecstaticplayground.com, there's a list of uh five games so you could people can download that um and yeah so So i I was interested in creating just the community that i want to be a part of really
0: amazing that's so great and i'm so glad that you did i'd love to know a little bit more about your book conscious clubbing Um, I know on your website, like you have snippets from it. And so I've read it and I just think it's absolutely beautiful. And um, if that's all right with you, I'd love to read a little snippet. Would that be okay? Yeah. And though that hot new VC funded tech startup might claim to foster community and connection, I'm skeptical of any innovation that claims to connect us, but monetizes itself by gluing our eyeballs to screens and selling our attention to advertisers. Technology is not the solution when the introduction of technologies that claim to connect us have the average Gen Z spending four hours a day looking at screen. So the answer has come from the IRL solutions. We need to meet more people, have more authentic conversations with those people, see those acquaintances around enough for them to develop into friendships, participate in meaningful activities that develop those friendships into best friends and a core group integrate those friends, groups with large values, aligned communities, and then maybe we'll have a chance at peak relational health, etc. And I just loved um, that paragraph. So if that's all right with you, tell me, what is your hope in writing this book?
1: My hope is that parties around the world, it's called Conscious Clubbing. Yes. Um, but it's, it's, it's not it's not just focused on dance clubs it's not just focused on parties bars clubs lounges though the heart of it is around music events mm. but my hope is that parties bars clubs events gatherings meetups all around the world are just 10% friendlier like if if that one person who goes to the event And they don't really know anyone. And they're kind of just like looking for... They're lost. They're wandering. They're looking for someone. If there's a human being out there who's going to go to a party, maybe while they're in college. And it's like one life path is like they're just addicted to video games. They're... Hey, I love video games. But they're addicted to video (laughs) games. they're, They're getting... They're getting their sense of achievement from video games. They're getting their sense of, um, sexuality and relationship from pornography and they are getting their sense of connection from purely digital means. Yeah. And then on the other hand, maybe they go to one party where they meet that one person that makes them feel connected, makes them feel seen for the very first time as themselves. You know, friendship is the family that you choose becomes the family that they choose they join a community they step into a role of service in that community and from a relational social perspective they start to spend a little more time relating in person and a little less time relating online yeah you know that's the goal is that that human being is able to access a more therapeutic a more grounded a more a greater sense of well-being through um The methodology of the book, which is um, a call to people who uh, design events, design experiences, conferences, parties, um, who own bars and nightclubs to just like shift just one notch in their thinking in terms of how do I think like, yes, let's sell drinks or let's throw a badass event. Let's have a lot of people come, but like, how can we just shift a little bit to think about the relational side of Mm. the human beings in this space? Can we design a space that's a little bit more likely for people to make a new friend or for people to have a deeper conversation or for people who are already relating to relate in a way that makes them feel seen, heard, and more fun?
0: Yeah, (laughs) That's that's so beautiful. Doing your research for your book, you've probably spoken, I'm assuming, or, you know, just connected with a lot of interesting people and did interviews, maybe even researchers. Is there a story or just something that really stuck with you, um, maybe that you'd like to share? I'm just sure there's so much rich content.
1: There's uh, well, I love the story of Tasha Blank, because I see in her it's this evolution of like, I had the epiphany and then I went on to go and create space for other people. The other person that comes to mind is uh, my friend Peter. And he used to come to my body talk parties way back in the day. Yeah. And I remember that he, his only experience of like nightlife was going to um, kind of like fraternity bars, like very bro drinking culture. It's very yeah. kind of mainstream. And he loved the music. And he was even producing the music. And there was a time when he finally went to Body Talk. And remember the first time he went to her party, he was like tapping her his toes and he was like, he was so excited. Love the music. He's that guy who's like, oh, you're playing Aww. this song. Like, I love this music. And he went from tapping his toes and like kind of looking around to sipping his drink to like, Three three parties later, he's on the dance floor. First person, you know, he's so safe. He's so expressive. He's uplifting other people with his playfulness, and with his energy. And I just saw that like transformation from time after time where his comfort zone expanded into that stretch until later on, he starts DJing at the parties. And I just love that, like that arc of like communal transformation. It's like, you're the lonely person, you're the expressive person, and now you're the space holder.
0: Wow. I love, love that. Phil, as a final question, what would you say to someone who's maybe interested to start conscious dancing and like kind of put themselves out there? And, you know, um, would there be like any little tip? It could even just be like, just fucking do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's like the smallest tip, but it it I Please. really believe in it. So, I think the easiest way is to take a baby step from where you are. And it's in terms of just being a little more expressive. So, from a movement perspective, it's like don't go alone. Find wh- whatever place that you might kind of feel comfortable going and if it's if you want to dance more, go with a friend. Maybe you have a friend who loves to dance and like find a place that's a little bit outside the comfort zone and just go. And if there's an activity, like my mission, my challenge to you is the next time you see a dog, right? <laughs> the next time you see a dog, cause dogs are so pure. They're so fun. <laughs> just like when you're like, um, giving it's funny in Portuguese, we call it giving a party. When when you're like rubbing that dog's <laughs> belly, we call it yeah. giving that dog a party. No way. I love when you're it. giving that dog a party on its belly to just like rah! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> to just like get a little expressive with your with your voice oh, and God, even if you want to shake a little bit and get a little crazy with the dog um i think that that's just such like a little tweak that you can do that i call it public freaking it's like public speaking is so scary but public freaking yeah. just being yourself the next time you see a dog give it a party
0: i love it <laughs> that's the best tip ever phil Thank you so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. I think the take home message from you is that no matter how alone or socially isolated you have been, there's always ways to connect with others and build strong relationships and satisfying relationships when you want to. And I guess the power of dance and conscious clubbing can be a very interesting gateway to that. So thank you so much for this discussion.
1: Yeah, thank you. I had a lot of fun.
0: Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please do support us by subscribing on your favorite podcast hosting site. I will be linking Phil's website and the website of Ecstatic Playground should you wish to check it out. I highly recommend that you do so. This is our last episode of the year. and So whether it's conscious dancing or not, I hope you can end the year with some conscious goals, with setting some intentions for the new year. And I wish for it to be a beautiful one. Thank you so much again, and we'll catch you in the next year.